Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you today in church. If it is your first time here at the Harvest Center, please do feel welcome. And don't rush away at the end of the service. Uh, there will be time to have a coffee together and have some time together to get to know uh, each other. You know, today is a good day uh, to praise God because it's a new day of life that He has given us, yeah? It's not because it's Sunday and we got to do that, but it's because it's to give back to Him something uh, to reflect, you know, the love that He has given us when he died on the cross we give to him our praises and our worship and i uh, just want to read something from the bible uh, as uh, before we start the service um and this is in um let me, let me just find it this is, is in, uh, in psalm 34 the first three verse, verses it says i will praise the lord at all times i will constantly speak his praises i will boast only in the lord let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. And I, li I like when he says at the beginning, I will praise the Lord at all times. It doesn't matter if I feel good or if I don't, I don't feel good. It doesn't matter if it is a good moment in my life or if I'm going through a difficult time. If you are a child of God, we always have a reason to praise God. And the reason is, first and most important, because he died for us. He gave his life for us. But then as well, it's interesting because it says in, um, in uh, always the second part, uh, in, in verse 2, it says, let all who are helpless take heart. It's like in the middle of these verses where, where you know, the, the, the writer of this psalm was inviting uh, the people to praise God. He says, if you are heartless today, if you go through a difficult time, if there is something in your life that is upsetting you, you know, you, know, let, you rejoice in the Lord. And he puts this verse in the middle of, of, of these other verses where he is encouraging us to praise God. And, and it maybe it's like it's a bit of a contrast because when, we, when we, are, we don't feel good, when we go through hard time, it becomes difficult to worship God. We don't feel like worshiping God because we ask ourselves, why am I here? What, what am I doing here in my life? You know, why am I experiencing once again uh, this difficult moment? But here he's saying, you know, when we go through a difficult time, if we find the strength to praise God your difficulty will become a blessing. You will find strength, actually, in the acts of praises, in the act of worship. You will find strength when you approach God, even if you start from a low point, even if you lost everything. The moment you approach God and you raise above your circumstances and you start to praise the name of God, you will find heart again. You will find strength. You will find joy. And I want to invite you today, as we are approaching, you know, this Sunday service, to have this attitude, you know, doesn't matter what I'm going through in my life. I want to worship God today. As you can see, we don't have the musicians today. Uh, they, they are away. So we'll have to just uh, sing along some videos. And those, if you're following us from home, we'll have we, we will have to interrupt the live stream because of uh, copyright reasons. But, you know, uh, sometimes we, we like to depend a lot on musicians and on music and someone to be here. But actually, we can praise God, you know. What, all what is needed is a sincere heart that wants to praise the name of God. So why don't we all stand and um, 
let's just approach uh, the throne of grace um, with, a, with a heart full of thanksgiving because God, Christ died on the cross for us. It is because of his sacrifice that we can stand today. It is because of his sacrifice on the cross that we can have a relationship with, with him today. So it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what kind of sin is, is bothering you. You know, we, we learn from the word that, you know, God is powerful more than enough to, uh, to take even the worst sin, the worst thing in our life and to make it white as snow. You know, he will, uh, you know, pull all the sins apart so that, you know, as far as the east goes from the west, you know, he, he will, the, he, the love of God goes beyond what we can imagine. And still today, there is the time to approach the cross of Christ and to invite him in a relationship with you or to start again with him if you feel like that uh, something has come between you and God. So we, let, up, let us approach God today, you know, with a heart full of thanksgiving with a heart full of joy. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for today. We thank you because we are here to praise your name. We thank you because you've prepared something for us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence amongst, amongst us this morning. We thank you because you are ready to touch our heart, to bless, uh, to bless our lives. You're ready to, uh, to come towards us, Lord God, and help us today to rejoice in you, to praise your name. Doesn't matter what we are going through in life, we'll choose to worship you, to go to today we choose to praise you lord god we thank you father in jesus name and i pray as well for how many people are here today and they're carrying a burden in their hearts lord god holy spirit i pray that you will minister to them that you will touch their lives lord god that you will speak to them holy spirit that you will break any chain if there is any any addiction any form of addiction any uh, behavioral uh, pattern that needs to be broken. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you will work wonders and sign among us. We are hoping to see what you've prepared for us. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you. We worship you today, Lord. We want to raise your name on high because you deserve to be worshipped. We thank you, God. Amen. We need to be careful because sometimes the enemy is good in stealing things from our lives. And in particular, he steals the promises of God in our life. And the greatest promise that we have in God, you know, that doesn't matter where we are in life. If we go to Jesus Christ and we confess our sins, we open our life to him. He comes and lives in our life. He saves us and he gives us eternal life in him. This is the greatest promise that we have in God. And, and I don't know where you are in life today but perhaps you know it's time for you to remember that nothing compared to the promise that we have in Jesus Christ that he is faithful to forgive us he is faithful to save your life he's faithful to, to save my life and to give us eternal life remember remember wherever you are in life do not let the enemy take away this from you. The greatest promise we have in God is to see that we one day we'll see him and spend eternity with him forever. That he's going to forgive our sins that we can have a relationship with him. What a powerful name it is. It's the name of Jesus. The name that is above all names. Hallelujah. We thank you. I just want to give a, a minute as I often like to, uh, to do. Uh, if you just, there is any of you who would like just to, to give a word of thanks to the Lord. Just, you know, feel free to raise your voice and to say thank you Jesus for whatever reason is in your heart thank you Jesus thank you Lord amen amen please do take your seat uh, you know I just want to invite you 
do not be shy. Come on. When, you say, when, I, when I say let's pray together, you know, there is, you know, we can just open up. It's something wonderful and just uh, speak out, you know, our prayers. So I just want to encourage all of you not to be shy. If you have never done it before, next time it's going to happen. You know, just raise your voice and say, Lord, I thank you. You know, I'm sure we can all do that. We've got so many reason, uh, reasons to be uh, thankful uh, to the Lord. Amen. Do you agree with me? Good, 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 good. Okay, now, uh, Sarah is not here, I think, today, so uh, I'm going to do the notices, so you need to bear with me. So I'm going to start with a video clip that is going to present uh, the Bible course, um, which is basically, as I said last Sunday, instead of, usually, usually we do life groups, but um, this time around, leading up to Christmas, so until the end of November, basically, and then we enter the Christmas season in December, uh, we are going to meet uh, all together, who those who want to take part, once a week on Wednesday night um, at 7.30 p.m., yeah, starting on Wednesday, the 4th of October. And we're going to just uh, go through this um, Bible course that, you know, I, I think is very, it's very good, it's very interesting. I, come to know, I came to know this course because uh, uh, through a friend of mine who pastors a church, uh, you actually know him, uh, Paul Cooper, in Wellingborough, and he, he did it with his church, and he said that people really liked it, and they've taken so much out of it. Uh, so I want to invite you to, uh, to make some time uh, on a Wednesday night, 7.30. Probably it's going to take about one hour and 15 minutes together, um, and uh, that, that's what we're going to do instead of the life groups until um, the end of November. So, but let's watch the video so we can have an idea. The Bible course explores how the story of the Bible fits together. Starting with creation, we'll glimpse the paradise we were made for. Then we'll follow Israel down to Egypt and witness God setting the captives free. Through cycles of judges and the era of the kings, we'll encounter exceptional leaders before hearing the voice of the prophets and the lament of the exiles. Then the hero arrives. In the Gospels, we'll see Jesus establish God's kingdom and give humanity a new start. Now his followers bring hope to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, in Revelation, we'll glimpse how the story will end. Paradise lost will be regained. Yeah, so this is the promo of the video, uh, the, the promo video of this uh, course. And um, uh, we have also some booklets which I already ordered, um, which, uh, you know, you will be receiving if you decide to attend this uh, Bible course. Uh, they are very uh, well written. They're very they are simple enough for everybody to understand. And there is also some space to, uh, to write your notes. Now, um, the prices for these, uh, we paid five pounds each as a church. Uh, we bought an, enough uh, to be, you know, um, so that each of you, if you want to come, can receive one. Um, if you can contribute towards this, uh, we're going to put out like a donation basket when we do the course and just you put your five pounds. If you cannot uh, pay for this, don't worry, you know, uh, we, the church it pays, so it's like don't feel obliged, yeah? But if you want to contribute, you know, you can, uh, you can do that. Uh, so this is, we start again on, on Wednesday, the 4th of October, 7.30 p.m., Come along because it's going to be um, a good a good course, you know. I believe from what the material that I've seen already. Now, um, as well, a reminder: um, the Alpha is starting Thursday, the 28th of September, 7:30 uh, p.m. 
uh, I just, you know, we got a number of people who signed up. Uh, actually, a, lot, a good number of them came through the last outreach we had in Brandon. So that, that's good. And, um, you know, I want to always ask the, the, the church to pray for the Alpha Course. You know, when, you know, we know that from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in our life. The Holy Spirit is the one that convinces the people of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that, uh, you know, attracts people to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work in our life. So we're, we're just instruments in God's hand, you know. So let's pray, um, you know, God, as for the people that are attending the course, that God will prepare their hearts to receive from Him. That the Holy Spirit will move among them in a powerful way. And that they will understand, you know, the, uh, the goodness of Jesus, what Jesus has done uh, for them. As well, uh, I want to remind you, Sunday the 1st of October, we're going to have some guest speakers here. John and Eliana White. They are the directors of the IBTC, which stands for International Bible Training College. You know that uh, me and Anna, you know, we came from there. And every year we get the students coming down and they help us with outreaches and things. Um, but it is an honor, you know, for the directors, you know, to come here and speak in the church. You know, they are extremely busy people, honestly. You know, I know them well. They are very humble, um, full of knowledge, very knowledgeable. But they are extremely busy because of the roles that, that they invest. And um, we have the honor of having them among us. So I really want to... Um, invite all of you to, you know, to put this down on your diary, to make, you know, all the, <laughs> put all your effort in trying to make it in church, because it's going to be good, you know, for you in the first place. You're going to miss something uh, if, you, if you don't come. Uh, so that's Sunday, the 1st of, uh, of um, October. Now, the last one, I don't know, maybe Joe, if you want to come, maybe you have the best. About the safe training course on the 14th? Um, shall we give a round, a round of applause to Joe? <laughs> If you don't know, she's our uh, safe, uh, how do you call it, office, safe guardian officer. <laughs> and she's organizing a training for us. Hello, everyone. So safeguarding is something probably that most of you don't like to sort of think about or talk about. But actually, it's something that is really important to the way that we function as a church. But also, as Christians, I feel that the narrative of caring and making sure that we are doing our absolute best to look after the people that we come into contact with is part of the Christian life. And um, so for me, it's, it's part of how we function as Christians. So um, if you are involved in any of the children's ministries, so that's uh, Sunday school, kids zone, leaders of the um, food bank are going to come. If you are an elder in the church, or the pastor, <laughs> um, or if you hope to be involved in any of those things, then please make this a priority in your diary. So the day is going to be uh, that we spend um, some time in the morning. So we're going to start at nine o'clock, nice and early. Um, so we're going to spend some time in the morning, nine o'clock until about half past 11, 12 o'clock doing um, safeguarding training. Then we're going to have lunch together. People are going to bring your own pack up, but we'll provide, I think dad was asking about cakes and tea and coffee and stuff. So we'll provide those throughout the day. Um, and then after that, we'll have about an hour and a half just looking at our particular area of ministry. So if you're involved in children's church, just looking at that, um, an opportunity to go through curriculum and stuff like that, or talk about vision and things like that. We don't have much time when we get to spend time together because uh, we're often so busy doing. So this is a time for us just to be together and reflect. And let me encourage you, if you're not involved 
Um, we always have space for people to be involved, but um, and we would really love for you to be involved. But one of the ways to kind of go ahead about, about being involved is to make sure that you're getting this safeguarding training done. It's an opportunity for me to also go through some of the things that we have in place as a church. So uh, like our policy and things like that, which I know people think policy is boring, but I love policy. It's good. It's there to guide and support us. So um, it's an opportunity just to be aware of that and know how that works within the church. So if you have any questions, it's free. Uh, so um, uh, it's an in-house training this time round. So uh, please do come and see me. I'd love to get your name down just so I've got an idea of how many people are coming and who I might need to talk to to see if I can facilitate you coming. If you have any barriers to coming, such as childcare, do again come and talk to me and we'll see what we can do around supporting that. Okay. Hello. Yes. Morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Good to be here and having the opportunity to um, just share the Word of God. And without uh, further ado, let's just dive into it. Well, you will hear today, I hope, will be a word of encouragement for uh, many of us. I put myself in it as I was preparing. I was uh, encouraging myself and also for the prayer. And uh, what someone has said already, I was saying to my wife, I might already go home. The message or what we want uh, what i would like to speak to you this morning i sort of already covered especially by the last prayer of and we're okay can you hear me okay so the verse the main verse that we're going to look today is found uh, in john that would be john 14 verse 27 should pop up in a moment it does so the verse is um, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not that the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So this is the main uh, passage. We're going to look at several others to make the point come across, but this will be the main passage we're going to try to look at it uh, this morning. So peace, peace is a popular word today but it seems to be impossible to reach. Wherever we go, there is talk about peace, especially with uh, the world going on or uh, with the different catastrophes that are taking place around the world. Everyone wants to reach peace. But as much as we want to, it seems, this, again, is something impossible to achieve. When we're trying to define peace, uh, I, am, I was thinking about these verses, and uh, it came into my mind uh, a story that I heard about 13 years ago. I was a student in the Bible College, and uh, we were invited for a conference in Tunbridge Wells. There was a missionary there who shared this story. And since then, uh, that's always a point uh, that uh, made me think about uh, the real meaning of peace. And I would like to share this story with you. So there was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. The contest stirred the imagination of artists everywhere. Many artists wanted a chance at winning the prize. Painting from far and wide began to arrive. The king looked at the whole pictures, uncovering one peaceful scene after another, as the onlookers clapped and cheered. The tension grew as only two pictures remained veiled. As the king pulled the cover from one, a hush 
field, uh, fell over the crowd. It was a picture of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains all around it. Overhead was a beautiful blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Paul who saw this picture thought that it was a perfect picture of this. Surely this was the winner. The king uncovered the last painting and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? This picture had mountain like the previous painting, but they were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky, from which rain fell and in which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. They did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked at closely, he saw a little bird had built a nest on a branch of a tree. A tree that reached out in the direction of the tumultuous waterfall. Yet there, in the midst of the rush of angry water, undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, sat the mother bird on her nest, in perfect peace. The king chose the last picture. So this is just a story, but I think it's important, and what I like about it is that uh, it represents well what we think about peace. Many times we think about peace like a snapshot, like a picture that we can take about a beautiful scenery that we can visit. A couple of uh, weeks ago, well, almost a month now, with my wife, we were in Switzerland, and we were on, um, on a lake, and we were all surrounded everywhere by mountains. The day was glorious. We really enjoyed that. And that would be, maybe, if you took a picture, you might think that would be peace. It was very calm. The lake was still. There was a blue sky, green pasture with animals. But we know that that one, is not really repre representing the reality when we think about peace. As we go back to that verse that we were reading before in John, um, I would like first uh, to clarify a few things, uh, and then we will uh, unpack the verse. So, the world can give us peace. That's what the Bible says. Because Jesus is saying, I give you peace, not like the world give, meaning that he makes a comparison. How can you make a comparison if the world wouldn't be able to give you peace? You wouldn't. It's like when you buy a car. You would never compare a car to an horse. Th that wouldn't make sense. You would compare a model of a car with a model of a car. And the same is here. Now, please stay with me, because it's, uh, there is more than that. But this is the thing is that the world can give you peace, its own kind of peace. And usually the trick is that the peace, the peace that the world can give you is not lasting, is false, and comes usually with a price. And many times for us as a Christian, maybe price could even be compromise. To have peace in the world, you are asked maybe to compromise. But the most classical example, I believe, is money or belongings. So many times people think that if they have enough money or if they have enough belonging, like a house or a car or whatever, that would be enough. That will give them peace. So called peace of mind, isn't it? So that they have a good job, it seems everything is pan out for them. So, you know, they have a safe buffer. But actually, we know, if not by experience, by reading also from story of other people, that all those things 
they're just for a moment. I mean, taken away in a moment. Like a sickness, loss of job, change in the market, an earthquake, a flood. Anything can change in a moment. So those things are not really things that are going to remain. Many times as well we call peace what is nothing else but an passive acceptance. We are used to something, so we are peaceful that that is the solution, isn't it? It's like, for example, if uh, I remember, um, I was in, in Germany several years ago, and there was a lady who was testifying that uh, she was grateful to God because, you know, despite uh, having problem, health problem, she was used to that, so she was happy that she could just get along. And for her, that was a testimony. But then everyone in the leadership just started to say, well, we should pray, actually, that you get completely healed. Because if you start to accept things, thinking, okay, that we make it part of our normality, then as long as everything remains like this, then we can just carry on. Now we're just fooling ourselves, and it's not really what the Bible and what God wants for us. He said that he wants to heal us, for example. He wants to provide to us. So start to have those examples where we passively accept things, and we make them in a sense, our new normality. We just get along with that. It's not even a good thing. Another one is uh, that we mix, uh, we change peace for tolerance. There are two days so many times that we speak about uh, the importance of being tolerant with the different groups, with the different people, with the belief of the different people. We need to tolerate them to have peace. But I'm just wondering if someone should tell you, well, I tolerate you. I don't think you would really feel, okay, yeah, he loves me, I, li I like that. But we just wouldn't feel uh, at ease. Tolerance is just sort of pretending. It's a masquerade of real peace, of real getting along. And finally, we have also another peace, that is the one that was uh, lived by the Jews back then, that it was so-called Pax Romana, that comes from the Latin, that was a peace that was imposed uh, by the Romans. You have peace as long as you follow what we said. And back then, the rule was the sword. So if you didn't want to have a trouble, and you want to have peace, just do what I say, and we all get along. But also that one is not the peace. But you see, all those examples are the type of peace that the world is giving us. But again, if you go back to John 14, 27, here Jesus is saying, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We often quote also Jeremiah 29, 11 as a word of encouragement that says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we see in the Bible that the thoughts that God has for us are thought of peace. He wants us to be in peace. He wants us to have peace. And as we look uh, even closer to this verse that we uh, read at the beginning of John 24, uh, John 14, sorry, I want you to remember that it was part of the final address, as we found it in the book of John, was the final address that Jesus was giving to his disciple. 
This happened, if you read the previous chapter that we're having the Last Supper. During the meal, Jesus stood up, started to wash the feet of the disciple, and then he started to share with them those words. And I would like to divide them, this, uh, this verse. I would like just to divide it in three points. Very simple one. The one being, Jesus is our peace. As I said, this was part of the last uh, discussion, the last uh, um, talk that Jesus had with his disciples, as, as it is reported in the book of uh, John. And the Bible and also experience tell us that usually when people are giving their last words, are the things that are most in their hearts, are the things more important. It's like when Moses, when he was about to die, he just remembered the Israelites about the autonomy, about all the promises and all the things that God has done. Also, Joshua, at the end, will remember to the people the things that God has done for them. And he challenged them as far as you decide today you want to follow, if it is God or if it isn't. But then he makes that, he tells that sentence that says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this was, again, was one of the last things that they said. Also, Paul in his last epistles that he wrote, he just put a lot about him having run a race. And that he was not looking at what he had done, but what he was still ahead of him. The prize that he wanted to reach, it was an, a word of encouragement for the reader of the epistle. Now, if those people were giving those type of speech, let's say, or this type of advice and were listened to, how much more should we listen to what Jesus is saying to his disciples? Also because we know that uh, those things are applying to us as well. It was just not for them, but they are applying to us as well. So he says at the beginning that he will, he, he will both leave his peace and give us his peace. Now, some commentators say that uh, instead of uh, I leave you peace, they, says, they say that the peace that is mine, I give to you. And I would like to stop quickly there. We're going to just dissect a little bit this verse. It says the peace that is mine. Now, we know that, uh, we said that a moment ago, that in this instance, Jesus was about to be betrayed, was about to be abandoned, was about to be arrested, was about to be unjustly condemned, and he was about to die, and to die on the cross. So he knew all this, and yet he was in peace. In all this, he was in peace. He says, I leave you my peace. The peace that is mine, I give it to you. We know later on also from other, uh, from other um, book of the Bible that when Jesus was in the, um, in the garden, that uh, he was struggling for a moment. The Bible tells us that he was praying that for the, um, for the passion, for the pressure of the prayer, his, uh, his sweat was like blood. And also he was saying, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup be moved away from me. However, not my will, but yours be done. So in all this, he was able to have his peace, to maintain it. And he was saying that um, he would leave the peace that he had. But then on top of that, I think it's not by chance that he says that uh, I'll give you peace. And I was thinking, uh, 
how can you give peace? Peace is not tangible. It's not something like to say, I don't know, I give you this Bible, you have it. Or if I say to someone, oh, I give you this, I give you that, we know that if it is something tangible, we can easily understand what it is. But when it's not tangible, how do we do that? And as I was thinking, I was re remembered about a few verses. And I would like to read now back to back a few verses. But again, previous to that, uh, let's remember that, as I said, many people say that, that they want to give peace, that they want to reach out peace. But before we're going to look at those verses, let's remember that Jesus has never been a hypocrite. When he said he would do something, he will do it. It's like when uh, we uh, think about uh, um, in John 10, when uh, um, Jesus was telling the story about that he is the good shepherd, he says that uh, the hirelings, so those people that are hired, they're not like the good shepherd. They are supposed to defend the flock, but when there is a problem, they run away. It's not like, like the shepherd that will go even after the single sheep. He will leave the 99, but he will go after the one sheep. He will not allow for the sheep to be taken. And also David, that is a nice figure about Jesus, is a nice type in the Old Testament. One of the things that he said is that he was taking out the sheep from the mouth of the lion. So this is the heart of the shepherd, is uh, giving everything for the sheep. And so let's read now three passages. As I said, we're going to read them back to back. They will be on the screen. They will be John 15, 13, John 10, 17, 18, and we will finish with Isaiah. Starting with John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Then in John 10, 17, 18, we read, Therefore my father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. And finally, we have Isaiah 9, 6. There was a prophecy about Jesus himself. That says, for unto us a child is born. It's something that we usually hear about it over Christmas. It says, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So if we try to put all this together, he was the Prince of Peace, and he gave himself for us. It was not just a talk, but as we say, he actually walked the talk. He gave everything. He didn't spare anything. He just gave you peace. When he, he was saying give you peace, I think that, well, that's, that's what was after, was saying that he was giving everything. He was the Prince of Peace and he was giving his life for me and for you. So as we have seen, again, this first point I wanted to bring across is the fact that he is, God is our peace. Jesus is our peace. And so if we carry on by reading the verse in John 14, 27, why do we need peace? Why do we need peace? Now, the passage still says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So why Jesus also mentioned this about our hearts, no needing to be afraid? 
And the thing is that, if you're honest, we scare so easily. That's the reality. We just care so easily. Jesus knew that disciple, and by extent us today, would have gone some turmoil, gone through difficulties, the tribulation. And he warned them. The same he has done and is doing today with us. He's warning us, let not your heart, your heart be troubled, neither learn to be afraid. In fact, we, that, that is 14.27. Two verses later, in 14.29, still of John, he says, And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. What I like about the Bible and what I like about Jesus is the honesty in which he speaks. It doesn't go around, it goes straight to the point. It's not like us, that when we have to, to say something, sometimes we just take the long road because we don't want to offend, we don't want to hurt people, we want to be nice, we want to be considerate and polite, as much as we should. Here Jesus here goes straight to the point. He says there are going to be difficulties, and later on, still during the same uh, uh, speech he's giving to his uh, disciple in John 16, 33, he says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that is the thing, is that he is saying clearly to the disciple that they need not to be worried, that they... Their hearts should not be troubled, nor be afraid, because there will be difficulties. I mean, I don't want to preach discouragement. I really hope you are encouraged today by the end of the sermon. But the thing is this, is that there will be those difficulties. What we do when they come? How do we face them? And there is the key. Also, Paul, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, Maybe we can skip to read all of it. But the beginning, he says, he says to Timothy, but know this, that in the last days, perilous time will come. Other world for difficulties. And again, it doesn't really take much. It just, well, one day you would say, in the past you would say, it's just enough you open your newspaper, but now I would say it's just enough that you scroll the news on your phone to see what is happening around the world. But yes, promise, however, that despite all this, he will be with us. One passage above all of else would be the last, uh, when he commanded the disciple, go and, uh, go and make disciple all the earth. And then he says, and I'll be with you until the end of time. I will be with you. So he has promised. Isn't that, this is not something that he has promised for us uh, just at the moment of our conversion, when everything seems great or not uh, when everything is uh, to be happy-clappy, that we can just be happy. And so, of course, if you're happy, who cares about the rest, so you can really have peace. But actually, no, he said that he always will be with us. There is someone who was, uh, was uh, um, checking the Bible, and it seems, I've, I haven't done it, uh, this, uh, uh, this check, but um, they told us uh, um, that uh, in the Bible in, uh, during the Bible college that fear or do not fear or similar sort of wording are found about 366 times in the Bible, meaning one for every day. Now, it's not really that important, the number. Also, with, uh, I guess with few of them, uh, that would be enough, knowing the source. But it's good to be remembered that uh, for every single day, 
God is telling us, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I'll be with you. You're not alone. And this brings me to my last point. That is, um, if Jesus is our peace, that is uh, the first point that we were looking at, and you have seen why do we need peace, what can we expect today? We have seen, that, as I said, that Jesus is our peace and that um, we need peace because we have tribulation in so many different ways. And I believe that there is no one among us that is not going through something right now. Maybe we will go on a through different scale. I'm not here to say what is worst one thing compared to the other. But I believe that there are, I'm pretty convinced that if we really look into our hearts, we know difficulties that we're facing, or maybe people close to us are facing. So as I said, there are many things that we're going through. As I said, the scale might be different, but this won't affect the promise of Jesus. This could be, as I said, it could be sickness. Maybe not for us, but for one of our relatives, parents, spouse, children. Could be loss of job. Could be financial trouble. Could be anything that you want to put in. But if it is affecting you, that is something for which Jesus can give you peace. But again, these are many reasons that can give a foothold to our enemy to steal our peace with God by installing, installing doubts and fear in our mind. That's what it does. John 10.10 10 says that the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. I love that. I love to be remembered that, you know what? The enemy can come. The enemy can tell to me here, oh, you're not going to make it. It will not going to improve. It will always be the same. But I want to be reminded on the fact that he has come to give me life. He has come to me life abundantly. Not just enough, but abundantly. You know, it seems like to be, and someone I think can, can tell, it's like to be in a, in a house of an Italian family on Sunday, and you are a guest. If there is the mom, usually, when he fills your plate, um, it just doesn't give you the portion. It just comes there with a the pan, give you the scoop, and you say, oh, that's fine. Second scoop, third scoop, first scoop. That's abundance, isn't it? And they tell you, manja, manja. That means heat, heat. The first time Tina came, uh, came at home with us, she was eating a small portion, and my mom almost got offended, so every time she was loading up the plate for my wife. And that's the time of abundance. Now, that's a silly example, but that's how God wants to do with us, that sometimes it seems we are just content with the little we can have, you know? It's like if you go to the king, you're just, happy enough if you can be in the palace with the king. But why not dare to think that actually I can have an audience with the king? Isn't it? That's abundance. Abundant life that he has promised. There is so much more, and I think it's one of those things like insurances that we never take advantage of anything that is in there, isn't it? There may be some benefits that we don't make ours, 
Well, yeah, well, that's fair enough. But with Christ, with Jesus, there are so many things that he wants to give us. The thing is that, are we willing to stretch our hand, to take them, to make them ours? Even though sometimes, as I said, there are difficulties that, you know, there is the doubt. Is that God really answering my prayer? Is he really interested in this? Is that not too difficult? Is that not too easy? Well, actually, there is nothing that is too small that he doesn't care about. On the other hand, there is nothing that is too big. He can do nothing about it. That's the, the thing that we have to remind ourselves. So, as I said, the, the difference between the thief and Jesus, or between the peace that the world can give you and the peace that Jesus can give us, is really this, is that uh, the fact that uh, the results that it brings, there's something lasting, and it's something that it's real. Now, not only we have abundant life, but Paul gives a pretty rich list of the other things. In Romans 8. Romans 8 is a very famous passage that we like to read. And today I would like to do it, and I would like to ask you just to bear with me. I will just do some addition that are not in the Bible without being blasphemous. But it's just that I want to, to stop sometimes and just do some adding. If ever after Pastor Samuel can just come over and reprimand me, if that would be the case. But I hope it will make sense. So let's read uh, Romans 8, 31 to 39 together. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him, the prince of peace, the one we were looking at it before. So that he delivered him, the prince of peace, up for us all. Shall not, shall, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, the Prince of Peace. And furthermore, he is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who has also made intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And we find the word of before. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And we can put the issue that we are passing through right now. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted a sheep for the slaughter. In other words, we will have tribulation. We are in tribulation. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquered through him who loved us and gave his peace to us. For I am persuaded. And what does it mean I am persuaded? He says that I am strongly convinced. I'm sure it is like this. That neither then nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. We could also change uh, that can separate us from the peace that God wants to give us. We are, we are in trouble. That finishes, which is in Christ. All this, all this is in Christ, Jesus our Lord. I always found encouraging to go through Romans 8. As a Christian, it's really a blessing to be reminded that, you know, there are all those things, it's true. But Christ has paid everything for it. It's true that there is on a side of the scale, there is this big thing coming against us. But there is also the other side of the scale that will just tip it over. 
just that we have to remind ourselves, like, like David did when he was saying, oh, my soul, forget not all his benefits. We are forgetful people. I'm not speaking about age. It doesn't really matter the age. It's just that we realize what we don't have when we don't have it. But when we have it, we just don't realize it many times. We forget about all the promises that are there for us. Now, I'm not saying that uh, who is standing here is perfect. It doesn't go through that. No, we do. We have to, I have to remind myself, as I was saying in the beginning, as I was preparing this message, I was just thinking, as I said, how sometimes bad news can just sort of let you take out the focus from Christ for what he's done. It's just only when we rail back everything, we say, wait, 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 come on, wait a moment. What's it indeed the reality? It's not what the doctor is telling you. It's not what the situation around you is telling you. But what God says, that he will give you peace. In all this, he will give you the strength to go forward. And this also brings us to um, Philippians 4, 4, 7. It's a verse that uh, I think has been mentioned before this month. It says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Other to say, the Lord is coming. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We need to make them known. It's true that God knows us, and the Bible tells us that even before the words come our mouth, he knows it already. But he has given us the gift of prayer, that I would like to underline is a gift that we have. It's up to us to receive it, and by which uh, a little bit of publicity, there is a prayer meeting coming up. Let's make the most to be there. We want to see things changing. We can pray. Let's come. So last Saturday of the month, let's meet together. Let's make the most of it. Whoever has been there during the prayer meeting, can clearly testify that it's good to be there. It's good to be part of it. Now, let, let's go back away, because otherwise we just go on a different tangent. But it says this, so with thanksgiving and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And what does it say in verse 7? And the peace of God, which type of peace? The one that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Now, why surpass all understanding? It was said before, it's because it's something that you cannot think, how come someone is going through so much and yet be in peace? That's the thing. How can you do that? That's what people don't understand. We sometimes, we miss and we skip to understand Jesus himself, he was about to die. He knew his friend, they would leave, me, leave him. He knew that when he was going to the judge, he was not expecting a fair trial as we would in our courtroom, but he, he knew that he would have been unjustly condemned. As a death, he was not a pill. He was flogging, he was the cross. And yet he had peace. He had that peace that surpassed all understanding. 
And it's also the type of base that I think you are familiar with, um, with uh, a whole dim, at least most of us uh, um, might remember that is uh, a hymn that has been written by Horatius Pufford, hope to pronounce the name correctly, that is, all is well with my soul. It's a fascinating story. I just want to start to go to the, try to lead through the closing with this story to start with. Horatius Spafford was uh, a Christian like us. He lived um, many years ago. It was, uh, um, he, he was living in America. He was a wealthy man, and uh, he had a family, wife, and uh, four uh, uh, children. And what happened is that uh, um, at a certain point, uh, there was a big fire in Chicago. He was a real estate agent. He had uh, several houses, several buildings. That, that was where his uh, main source of income was, but there was a big fire in Chicago, and uh, he lost everything. So with the family, then they decided to do a trip to England, and uh, at the last moment, he was holed up, uh, and uh, he couldn't go on the same boat like his wife and his children. So the boat sailed, uh, and in the middle of the night, uh, that was uh, uh, hit by another boat, sunk. And a few days later, Horatius Puffer received uh, a message, a telegram, from his wife, saying, uh, the boat is gone, only saved. So he had lost in a matter of few, I guess, weeks, months, he had lost not only financially, but also the four children he had were all dead. So what he did, of course, like uh, every good husband did, he just left everything. He, he took the first ship, that was the type of transportation back then, he started to go, and then the, the captain was kind enough to call him while they were reaching almost the point where uh, the boat that uh, his wife and children were uh, traveling on uh, just sank. So when he was there, he just penned the word of that song that uh, says, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. And then he goes on to say, it is all well with my soul. Now, I've always been... Uh, fascinated at the same time challenged by that type of uh, response. He was there, he has lost everything. He has lost his children. And he was in the position to say, all is well with my soul. And to remind himself, when peace like a river attended my soul. Now, the thing is this, as I said, those were things for him that um, he couldn't even fathom, I, I don't think even plan, nor the fire, neither the fire nor uh, the death of his family. And yet he was in a position he could clearly trust God. He could really trust in what he was doing. And so that's what he says. And this is why then also in those type of situation, we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm pretty sure that the moment you're walking that road, you'll be surprised as well by the peace God can provide you. And this is the type of peace that I want for all of us to, to experience. And this is really my word of encouraging for us today. As I said, tribulation will come. That's a fact, that's a given. The Bible says that, and because it says that, well, also by looking around, but these are the things we're going through and there will be 
The Bible tells us that we'll be more and more often. But I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord with all your heart. To chase him. Chase after him. To remind your soul in those moments. He wants to give you peace. He is with you. You know, sometimes it's hard. There are uh, things that you have to swallow that are hard. Then we have to remind ourselves, Jesus is with us. You know, despite of the deepest valley we might find ourselves to go through, we can live still on high mountains. To be specific, on a rock. Christ Jesus, it can never be shaken. So that's what they want to encourage you. They want to encourage us today. You know, there are circumstances. If there is any need of prayer, as we go into a moment of prayer, just please come in front. We want to pray for you. And uh, if you think, well, I don't need prayer, good, pray for the other. Someone will. Someone will need your prayer today. If it's not for you, pray for someone else. And also let's make prayer really something uh, that goes, that, that is, how do you say, interweaving the fabric more and more of this church. There's a prayer meeting coming up in two weeks. Just be part of it. Just try to be there. I know some of us won't be able to come. I personally won't be able to come to this one. But otherwise, let's try to make the most of it when we meet. The Bible says that when two or three are gathered together, is in our midst. That is called to be a blessing where people are gathered together. In Hebrew also says, do not forget to meet together. It's important that we go. Church is important when we meet with other people. And also when we meet together in the house, let's just make a time for praying together. As I said, tribulation will come. Jesus, our peace, our prince of peace, wants to give you peace. Don't get discouraged. If we want to borrow the sentence, the main topic of uh, the preaching of uh, last week, let's look up. Let's not look around us because we will be confused. Let's not look down. We just get discouraged. Let's look up where Christ is seated that wants to give you peace. I just would like to ask you to stand up as we go into a moment of prayer. We'll also ask Samuel just to lead us. Thank you. Yes, uh, Joseph said we're going to pray, and uh, you now we're going to just uh, display a couple of songs on the on the screen. But I want to invite you, uh, if you feel that God spoke to you today, if you feel like that, uh, maybe you lost a bit of that peace. Uh, if you want to really to reach out to the Lord and to see and to ask Him, would you give me peace in this situation, in these circumstances? That's just the music goes and. Uh, just come on the front. Uh, we'll be able to pray for you uh, because it is good to pray. You know, we uh, the power of prayer is um, is effective. Amen. So, Lord, dear God, we we thank you uh, because you are a good God. We thank you because uh, you are uh, uh, that solid rock in which we can build our lives. God, we thank you because you are the one who gives a peace that does not have any comparison, Lord God. It's a peace that is different 
from what the world can give us, Lord God. And I, I thank you because in you there is all what we need, Lord God, to live a life that is abundant, Lord God. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, for how many people here this morning are going through a time of difficulties. Maybe they feel like they lost their peace. Holy Spirit, I just want to pray that you will minister to them, that you will uh, uh, let them experience peace today. So we thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Have a great week. We'll be back here next Sunday. Don't rush away. Just enjoy a cup of coffee in the cafe and let, let us just, you know, spend some time together. God bless you.